All right, awesome. Hey, it's great to be with you guys. Good morning. Um, I don't know. I, it is. It's my first uh, Sunday here getting uh, to, uh, to share, to, to preach at uh, Oregon City. I'm from uh, Park Place Church. I'll talk a little bit more about that here in, in a second. Um, and I think it's the first time I've ever like, gotten to come on and preach like after having sung happy birthday to somebody. So uh, it's a lot of firsts. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not Ed. And, and so actually, uh, when we were talking about it, Ed said, you know, you really, uh, you shouldn't uh, even say that you're not me because I doubt most people would notice that it's not me up there uh, preaching, which I thought was ridiculous because, I mean, obviously I am a lot better looking than Ed is. So um, it, it is, it is uh, sorry, Ellie. Uh, so uh, it, it is really good to be here with you guys uh, this morning. Ed asked me to give uh, just a little bit of a context about like who I am and, and, and some stuff about me. So uh, you can know all my deep, dark secrets before I share the word with you this morning. Um, I, I am, what you need to know about me, the important stuff is I am married um, uh, to uh, Hannah, uh, my wife. We've been married. This is a big year for us. Uh, this summer uh, marks our 10th wedding anniversary, which is, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're double digits. And um, she might be tired of me, but she hasn't gotten rid of me yet. And so um, I'm really excited about that. It actually, it, it's, a, it's a big year for us too, because it marks uh, this year, uh, we have been together. We've been together since high school. So we've been together for half of our lives this year, uh, which is uh, kind of cool. So I, I know I'm one of those guys that people look at me and they're like, how did he get her? And, um, and it literally is because she just doesn't know any better. Um, and so that was the only recourse I had. I had to find somebody before they knew what else was out there and uh, just lock them down. So it, it's, uh, it's her mistake. And I guess you just, she live and learn, I guess. So uh, too late now. But uh, we are, uh, we're the parents of uh, two amazing kids. Uh, we have a two-year-old daughter. Uh, her name is Eden. And uh, the way that, to spot Eden is if you see a, a blonde, curly-haired girl walking around like she owns the place, that's our daughter. And, um, and then we have a, a son, uh, Wesley, uh, who is right now strapped to my wife and looking at me like, don't you dare talk about me. Uh, he's he's uh, about to turn six months old. And so uh, we, are, we are just extremely blessed, so thankful for them, uh, really just living the dream that um, some days truthfully just uh, feels a little bit like a nightmare. And so, uh, but uh, we are so thankful uh, for them. A uh, little bit more about us. Uh, we are not originally from around these parts. Uh, my wife and I come from the uh, great and amazing state of Kentucky. And so, uh, yes, uh, go cats. And if you don't like them, that is your problem. And, um, and so, yeah, we actually came out uh, uh, five years ago. I was contacted by uh, Carl Durkoop, who's the pastor at Park Place, asked me if I wouldn't mind moving across country uh, for a one-year quarter-time position. And uh, we thought, hey, that sounds like a normal thing everybody does, right? And, uh, and so uh, it, it was a total move on faith, feeling like it's where God was calling us. Uh, didn't make a whole lot of sense, but we came out here. Uh, a year turned into two, two turned into five. And, and so we are uh, still here and blessed to be at Park Place. Uh, as Josh was saying, we're, we're actually really close. If you don't know where Park Place is at, uh, basically there's two hills in Oregon City. We're on the other hill. And, uh, and so if you know where Holcomb is at, uh, we are just off of Holcomb as you start going up the hill uh, there. So we're tucked back in a neighborhood and you couldn't find us even if you wanted to. But um, we're so thankful to be here in Oregon City. We love it. Uh, love ministering to uh, the city of Oregon City. Love the people of Park Place. And uh, we really are blessed. Uh, a little bit about the church, just really quickly. Uh, uh, as it is, I think a lot of times uh, with new pastors and just life in general, uh, Park Place is going through transition where we're working on things and doing things. And we've been doing a lot with that over the last three years. And uh, I can't get into all the specifics for you because it's boring and you guys uh, don't really care. But um, one of the things uh, that we've come up with, our, our mission of our church, our stated mission, 
is that uh, we exist to make Jesus known, uh, to see lives changed that go and change lives. Uh, we, uh, we, we had long discussions about this and everything, and we said, you know what? If we're not doing that, well, then why are we doing it? What, what's the reason to exist if we're not making Jesus known in such a way that we're seeing lives transformed in such a way that we'll then go and share Jesus so other lives can be transformed, right? I mean, that is what being a follower and a disciple of Jesus is all about, is it not? And so, amen, right? Can you guys agree with that? I mean, that is the thing, right? So, yeah, so if you can agree with it, we can now be friends. And, um, you know, actually, why don't you guys just come down to Park Place? And uh, I don't think Ed would mind that much. And, and so, um, yeah, no, it is awesome to, uh, to be here with you guys. Uh, really excited, you know, when, when Ed and I were talking about this, uh, we thought, hey, let's figure out a way that our churches can get to know each other a little bit better, uh, work together for reaching the city uh, for Jesus. And, and so this was kind of one of those things where we're like, hey, well, that'd be fun. So um, because we decided to do that and we're now doing it, um, Park Place gets all the benefit and you guys have to listen to me. And so, um, but we all have our crosses to bear. So uh, we are in, uh, Ed asked me to continue on. Uh, with uh, your guys' series on the Sermon on the Mount. So we're going to do that this morning. So if you turn with me, if you've got a Bible or your phone or a tablet or whatever you use to get into the Word, if you'd uh, get that out and turn with me, uh, Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 16 through 18. And we're going to look this morning at the topic of fasting and that spiritual discipline and talk about that uh, a little bit more. But uh, they're uh, starting off with Matthew 6, 16 through 18. Let's, just, uh, let's read that together. When you fast, Jesus says, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. Uh, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Uh, truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret, secret will reward you. Uh, so this morning, this brings us, it, it's kind of, as you guys have been walking through uh, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, uh, if you remember, Ed, a few weeks ago, he told you that there's a shift that happens in uh, chapter 6, verse 1, right? Uh, the shift that Jesus kind of uh, talks about, let's just remind ourselves what it is here. Uh, he says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Uh, there, there's this idea that, that Jesus shifts, he, he starts focusing on the why we do what we do sort of things, right? And, and he says, make sure that as we're starting this discussion, this is the, this is the big idea that's just going to be behind everything that we're going to talk about here for a little while. Don't practice your righteousness in front of other people to just be seen by them. You, there, there's no reward in that, and, and it's not what you're after, and it's not what those things are intended for. And so he, he uses that as the big theme, the big idea, and then he pushes off into a discussion of these three spiritual disciplines. And so he talks about giving to the needy, which you guys talked about two weeks ago, and then he talks about prayer, and he gives some instructions on prayer, which you guys talked about last week, and then he talks about fasting. So Ed tells me he wants me to talk about fasting, and so I'm like, okay. And, and, and then he says, you know, it'd be good if you listened to the sermons just to kind of see where I'm going and what I'm doing. I'm like, okay. So I listened to this first week's sermon. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's pretty good and stuff. I listened to last week's sermon. I'm like, okay, man, yeah, yeah cool, and everything. And I'm thinking, I sit down with this idea of fasting, and Jesus has basically said just about everything he wants to say. And I'm thinking, man, Ed, you took all the good stuff and left me with the leftovers. And I'm like, thanks a lot, man. And so I'm like, what in the world is it? What, what is the deal with fasting? Why, why does Christ pull fasting out and deal with it on, on its own? Because here's the funky thing about fasting. As you look through Scripture, everywhere in Scripture, when it talks about fasting, usually fasting is combined with prayer. 
When you look through the New Testament, it talks about fasting. It talks about the disciples and the apostles and followers of Christ fasting. It usually says, and they prayed and fasted. So usually fasting and prayer are combined together. They're two things that go hand in hand. And yet here, Christ talks about giving to the needy, and he talks about prayer, and then he pulls fasting out and talks about it on its own. Why didn't Christ just say, hey, when you pray and fast, and then say everything he said about prayer, right? But instead, he takes the time. He takes the time. And what's more is not only does he take the time, but what he said about it, Matthew saw it so important to include it in this discussion. And so he pulls fasting out and he deals with it on its own. And so what is the deal, right? Well, the deal is the question that fasting asks us, actually the question that each of these three disciplines ask us, the heart of it, what it gets to is, what is most important to you? And Ed's been talking about that. He's been pulling that out a little while. But what is most important to you? And as we have these spiritual disciplines and the idea of what they're about, and we're going to talk about that more here in a second, below the surface, what we're being asked continuously is what is most important to you? And so with that in mind, there's three things that I see being asked by fasting uh, that are unique, different from the other two disciplines that Christ lists, giving to the needy and prayer. And so I kind of want to use those three things as kind of our template this morning for as we walk through this scripture, these scripture verses uh, to look at why is it Christ's fasting is so important and what does it have to ask us about our lives. And so I'm just going to warn you, I'm going to ask you some tough questions this morning. Because as we deal with each of these three things, it asks us a specific question about a certain area of our life that is pretty penetrating. And it really, and I'm going to ask you that when I ask these things, that you wrestle with it. And you allow the Spirit to wrestle with you on it, okay? And so I'm going to ask you hard questions because I can do that because I'm not your pastor. And I can, like, make you mad and make you upset and then run away and let Ed pick up the pieces afterwards. And so um, I am going to use that for everything it's worth this morning. So I'm just going to warn you, I might make you a little uncomfortable. I might even make you mad, but it's not my problem. You guys don't pay me. So um, the first thing that fasting asks of us, or actually fasting does, I'm sorry. The first thing that fasting does, different than the other two, is it combines the physical and the spiritual. Okay? So what do I mean by that? It combines our physical self with our spiritual self. Do you know that there, there's, there's two sides of, to you and me, physical and spiritual, right? And, and we believe, as Christians, we don't believe one is all bad and one is all good. There were, there's some thinking uh, back in the day, a long time ago, that the physical realm, the physical world was completely evil. And the spiritual realm was completely good. And our job was to get rid of all the physical stuff we could and just focus on the spiritual and be released from the evil of this world and enlightened to the good that is the spiritual. But we don't believe that. That that was rejected as a heresy. We don't believe that because what we believe is that God created both physical and spiritual. And, And we believe that when he created them there back in Genesis, he said, it's all good. Now, the problem is both of those things have been corrupted by sin. Uh, They've been turned around, they've been messed up, and and they've been screwed up. And what God is working towards is redeeming both our physical nature and our spiritual nature. He's working to save both of them. That's why Jesus came in flesh. That's why it was so important that Jesus came in the flesh, because he's working to redeem both of those things. So what the spiritual disciplines do, what what they're after, is they, they are ways for us to draw closer to God. And, and you would say, well, well Matt, those other two, they, they include aspects of our physical nature. I say, you're absolutely right. When we give to the needy, right, 
But when we give to the needy, it's usually we're giving something physical and tangible that you can touch, right? And we're usually giving money or food or, or whatever. But I would say what we are denying ourselves of is not as base as what takes place in fasting. The idea behind fasting in Scripture was always that you gave up food. Now, today we have a whole bunch of different ideas about it, don't we? You can give up something, anything. I give up TV, all that stuff. I remember in high school, I gave up, and you could have said I was fasting. I gave up uh, caffeinated drinks during basketball season because I, I thought that they would help me with endurance and stuff like that. It didn't work. I was still white. I still couldn't jump. I was slow. Um, <laughs> It, 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 did, it, did not t- it did not take the way I wanted it to. Um, and, and so um, what, what fasting does, though, is that it is this thing that says our body says that we need this thing, this food. In Scripture, when it talks about fasting, it's only about food. And, and so fasting, what it does, is says even the things that I need have the potential to get in my way of my relationship with Jesus. And so I want to strip out everything that has that potential because all I need, all what I really need to survive, what I need to live off of is God and God alone. And, and so fasting is a discipline that, that, that gets us to that place that, that we actually say, even the thing that my body is crying out saying, I need it. My soul is crying out more saying, I need God. And so fasting combines our body's need with our spirit's need. And at the same time, everything in us cries out and says, I need God more than anything else in my life. Okay, you see, you see what I'm saying here? And, and so actually, the, the, the monks uh, in monasticism, uh, they highlighted fasting and talked about fasting a lot. And they actually said, by fasting, the suffering we go through, the pain we have by not eating, that sort of thing, it connects us with Christ. But even more than that, I was reading uh, someone's writing on fasting uh, a few years ago, and I, I can't tell you who it was or where I read it, uh, but they talked about how when, when we fast and we don't eat, uh, the way your body contorts and the way it gurgles and just the discomfort you feel, that as your body is crying out for the thing that it needs the most to survive, food, your soul cries out at the same time for the thing it needs the most, God. And so you link up your body and your soul spirit and physical together. And at the same time, everything in you is crying out saying, I need God more than anything else. Fasting does this deeper on a different level than the other two. You say, well, Matt, in prayer, we take a physical posture. We kneel, we bow our heads, that sort of thing. Yeah, we do that. It's a way of saying that we are subservient to God. He is over us, reverence to God, all the respect, all the glory to God. And yet I think fasting goes a little bit beyond that. I'm not saying it's better. It's just different, Okay. So here's this idea. Christ takes fasting, pulls it away from prayer, sets it on its own, and says it does this thing of combining the physical with spiritual. And so let's talk about it. And what does Christ talk about? He talks about appearance. Really shallow, right? Those of us that when we're usually caught up on appearance and we talk about other people's appearance, we're like, man, that's really shallow. Why don't you get a little bit deeper and like learn them and know them and, and stuff and appreciate them for who they are, not what they dress like and stuff like that. And yet Christ, in this deep, deep spiritual discipline, he says, let's talk about what you look like while you do it. There in verse 16, he says, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. Basically what Jesus says, Putting oil on your head was the basic hygiene practice of the day, and washing your face is still what it is today. Just wash your face. Jesus says, when you're fasting and when you feel like junk on the inside, here's the deal. Get up. Take a shower. Comb your hair. 
Put some clothes on. Get out the door. Don't mope around in your pajamas all day long. Don't wear sweatpants everywhere. Actually act like something, like you have something to live for. Because Jesus is subtly making a point to us. He's making a statement about hope. Where is your hope? And your hope is your purpose. Your hope is what you have to live for. Your hope is what you have to get up in the morning for. And so fasting asks us the question, what is more important, our circumstances or our hope? We could say that not having gotten to eat lunch today is a circumstance in your life. And so the question is, when something is going wrong, when, you, when something is taken out of your life that you even see that you need in order to live, what's more important? The fact that that thing got taken away from you or the fact that your eternal hope and eternal life is still in Jesus Christ? What is bigger? What is bigger? It, it asks us, it forces us to ask the question, do my circumstances ever override what Christ has done for me and what I have in Christ. Have you ever like seen somebody walking around with just like sweatpants on and like a crummy t-shirt and like they haven't shaved and they haven't showered and stuff, right? You ever see people that just like do that? Like what, what's your first thought when they do that? Is man, they've given up on life. Like they don't have anything to live for. They don't have any purpose. They don't have anything going on, right? Here's the deal. If your hope is in Jesus Christ, you have a lot to live for. You have a lot to do. You have a mission in life. And so your physical appearance, as shallow as it might sound, it's the truth. Your physical appearance makes a statement about the state of your hope. Is your hope in Jesus Christ? Is he still Lord? Is he still God over all the universe? Does he still have ultimate control? Is your ultimate destiny safe in him? If it is, act like it. Carry yourself like it. Here's a practice that was meant to cut out everything in the world that could possibly get in the way of your relationship with Jesus Christ, getting you closer to God. And these hypocrites, Jesus said, were walking around like their life was junk. And he says, if you've been getting closer to God, why don't you act like it? Why don't you look like it, for crying out loud? It's hypocritical to carry yourself any other way. You ever, like, walk in the church and, like, you're, like, sitting with people and interacting with people and stuff and you're like singing praises to God and you're talking about how, you know, Jesus has come and done this amazing thing for us and we have eternal life and hope in him and stuff like that. And you think, man, that's cool that we like talk about and stuff, but it'd be kind of nice if we like told our faces that, right? Like you ever think that? Like you just walk in and like nobody looks like they're happy to be at church. Like nobody's excited to be there. Nobody's excited to like sing praise and glory to God. And like the coolest thing ever that we get to do is come together and like hear from God's word and worship together and this amazing thing that Christ is doing in us and through us. And yet like we're like, well, I don't know if I want to be here. You know, so that sort of thing. It's true. We, we do that, right? I have to remind myself every day, man, like remember, like your eternal hope is in Jesus. I tell your face that. Remind yourself of that. Why don't you carry yourself like there's something bigger going on in your life? Uh, scripture talks about uh, fasting and fasting in relationship to mourning. Uh, and it wasn't regulated. It wasn't said like when you're mourning, you fast. But like, have you ever been so sad, something so tragic in your life has happened that you just can't even imagine eating while well, you're fasting? And, and so scripture talks about that. And, 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 fa- and, and in mourning, this time of extreme loss, it was actually custom for uh, Jews uh, to dress themselves in sackcloth and put ashes on their head. And, and so their appearance was pretty crummy. Well, Christ never diminishes that. 
So when do we know that we can carry ourselves and be real about what's going on in our life and, and, and be sad about things? And when do, we, when do we need to, as Christ says, live as though we have hope and our hope is bigger than everything? I'll give you one, just one time that I can see that it's okay to just be like, man, my life is just all out crummy right now. It's when relationships are broken. Relationships, relationships with other people and relationships with God are the thing that was meant to be eternal. Those have been damaged by sin. And whether it's a loss of a relationship through death or a loss of a relationship through hurt, when relationships are lost, that is a time to mourn because it is not meant to be that way. Everything else in our life is circumstantial. Our jobs, the stock market, changes and transitions, all of it, circumstances. Those things were not meant to last and be eternal. And so when those things change, the question is, are they more important to you than your hope in Jesus? Fasting asks that question of us. Christ is asking that question. What is more important to us, our circumstances or our hope? Um, a couple years ago, uh, my first year at Park Place, I, I realized that being in a church of about 50, 60 people, your, your job as pastor is kind of talk to everybody, Right? So I, I would, I'd be walking through the hallways, and you always got stuff to do, so you can't like, just like, sit down and have like, a really long conversation with everybody on a Sunday morning. It's impossible. So I would just walk through the hallways and just say, hey, how are you doing and stuff? And, and 50, 60 people, every single one, they'd smile and say, good. Uh, it hit me one day. There's no way 50 people had a good week, right? No way. So actually, I got up one time and, and I preached on, on, on how uh, we're not told to be fake. That when our lives are crummy, we should share it. We, we, we should act like it. So, hey, if you're going through stuff, the body of Christ is here for you to share those things with. For you to say, you know what? My, my week was not that good. I, I should have been careful what I was asking for because the next week I had like six people stop me and say, let me tell you about my week, you know, and stuff. But, but it's the truth. And yet at the same time, while we can be real, we're not supposed to act like everything's gone to pot. Because we can have circumstances going on in our life that are not good. We can have waves crashing in on top of us, and yet that does not change the fact of who Jesus is. That does not change the fact of where our ultimate hope is. And that should be the thing that is most important to us. So one of the things that fasting gets to the heart of, that, that really spells out to us, that, that forces us to contemplate is what is more important, our circumstances or our hope? Is Jesus bigger than those other things? All right? So wrestle with that a little bit. The second thing that I see uh, that fasting is, what makes it unique, is it is the least practiced spiritual discipline. I am willing to bet in a room full of people that say they love Jesus and they read scripture and they've been Christians for any amount of time, Probably less than 50%, maybe even less than 25% of in, in here fast on a regular basis. I'm not going to ask you to like show hands and be like, yeah, that stuff's, yeah, that's crazy. I don't do that stuff. I'm not going to ask you to do that. But I, I'm willing to bet because I'm a pastor and I don't do it that much. Okay? So I'll just be real with you. It is the least practiced spiritual discipline. People pray more. People give to the needy more. All those sorts of things. Ed said two weeks ago uh, that giving to the needy, they actually had to stipulate and say you could not give more than 20% of your income to the needy, right? That people were so generous. I don't see anywhere them ever having to write, you cannot fast more than this amount of time. I, I don't see that stipulation having to be spelled out because people just don't do it that much. And yet, what does Christ say there in verse 16? The first thing he says, 
to us. It says, when you fast. When you fast. It's, it, it's expected. We, 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 sh- we should be doing it. But why don't we? Well, it's because. He says, when you fast, and that's it. doesn't say fast this regularly. This is how you fast. doesn't give us any instructions on it. It doesn't tell us how often we should do it. just says, when you do it, do it. It's like, come on, man. How am I supposed to know if I'm doing it right? How am I supposed to know if I'm doing it enough? We like to have guidelines, don't we? So we can tell whether or not we're doing it how we should. But he says, when you fast, just do it. And so I would say that because of that, because it's open-ended, we just kind of let it go to the wayside. And also because it's hard and it's not fun and, and that sort of thing. Do you know in Scripture, the only time, in all of Scripture, the only time that it was regulated that said you should fast on this day was the Jews were told to fast on the Day of Atonement. The only time that they're regulated and told this is the day to do it. Which makes sense, right? If it's all about giving up everything and saying, with everything you are, I need God, kind of makes sense to do it on a day about atonement, right? So the day of atonement is the one time that they were told. Now, the Pharisees, because they were good at this stuff and making rules, they added to that. But So there we go. It is the least practiced spiritual discipline. So you know what that means? Those of us who do it and those of us who do it on a regular basis, it means we're the super righteous ones, <laughs> right? You know it, right? Like, you're, you're the really, like, the holiest of holies, right, if, if you fast. And, like, the thing is, is, like, as we do it, we know that. And we're, like, thinking that. Like, we're, like, in the middle of fasting. We're, like, yeah. So the guy in my uh, small group, he's not doing this today. I can guarantee you that. So, right? Like, we, we know that it makes us super holy, and it makes us super righteous. Because not everybody else does it. And that is a dangerous thing. Jesus uh, shared this parable in Luke uh, chapter 18, verses 11 through 12. He talks about a Pharisee and a tax collector walking up to the temple uh, to pray. And he, and he says this about the Pharisee. He says, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. And he said, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Sounds like a good prayer. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. Think about that for a second. This Pharisee says, I'm thankful I'm not like robbers, evildoers, and adulterers. Why? Not because I don't rob, not because I don't cheat on my wife, because I fast and I give a tenth of everything I get. Two of those spiritual disciplines that Christ has spelled out here in the Sermon on the Mount, right? The thing that set him apart was not that he abstained from stuff, it's that he did stuff. We have a temptation that you and I, we will struggle with until the time we go and meet Jesus. And that is taking religious practices that are meant to draw us closer to God and strengthen our relationship with him and turning them around to divide us against other people. We will weaponize religion every chance we get. Things that are meant solely For a relationship with God, we will find ways to turn around and use them in order to say that we are better than other people. So fasting gets deep at the heart of a question that all of us have to ask and wrestle with from time to time and on a continual basis. And that is, what is more important? Being more like Christ or being better than other people? What is more important to you? Is it more important to you to grow in Jesus and become more like him, or do you just want to be seen as better than other people? Do you want to be able to hold yourself in that regard? And do you want other people to hold you in that regard? There's this um, 
this word as you read through the New Testament that I, I just love, and uh, Paul tends to bring it up quite a bit, uh, the word is edification. Um, maybe I like it because that's three syllables to it, but um, I, I like it because of what it means, and it essentially means building up, and he's always talking about building up, and what do we build up? Not ourselves, but other people. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 26, What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. But everything must be done so that the church may be built up. What is your ultimate goal? Is your ultimate goal to become like Christ? And what did Christ do? He humbled himself, sacrificed everything, gave up everything. Why? For our sake, so that we could become more like him, so that we can know the heavenly fa- our Heavenly Father the way we were intended to know him. Or, is it more important for us to beat others down and exalt ourselves that way? Let's, let's be real here. Both options, being more like Christ and beating others down, exalts us. It exhausts us. And, and what's more is one of those options is easier And let's just be honest again. One of those options is more fun. And it's not the one we would think of. Being more like Christ is hard. It's not fun. It takes a lot. It takes self-sacrifice. It takes humbling myself. It takes pouring myself out. It takes being concerned about other people more than my own needs and my own wants. It's a lot more fun and a whole lot easier to just use what I can to show that I'm better than you. Because it doesn't, it doesn't mean I have to change anything about me. And change is hard. I don't like to change. Do you see that? Do you see how fasting pulls, out, pulls us out in us? That, that if we do it and we know not everyone else is doing it, is it enough for us that we just become more like Christ? Or do we have to show and say somehow that we're just better than other people so that they know it too? Be careful. Be careful of the things that you know can set you apart and do set you apart because they're pulling you closer to Christ of not turning them around and using them to beat other people over the head with them as well. We will constantly have to struggle with that. It's one of the things we need the Spirit to work on us on and ask us this question of what's more important to you. The final third thing Uh, that I see fasting uh, being different, unique uh, from the other two of giving to the needy in prayer is it leaves only two options. And by that, I mean this. You can give to the needy and you can even pray and it still have nothing to do with God. And yet it can have something to do with other people. It can be essentially a selfless act still. Think of it. You give to the needy. It doesn't have to be about God. You can give to people just because you love people, and you can do it selflessly, seeking no reward, nothing in it for yourself. I mean, how often do we see, I mean, just huge outpourings. I mean, the flooding that's taken place over the last year and just the huge outpouring of giving, right? And how many of those people just gave selflessly because other people need it, and yet it had nothing to do with God, right? So we can give to the needy and still be a good person, all right? We can even pray. There's probably some of us that we will hardly ever pray. And especially when we have stuff going on in our, in our own life, for whatever reason, we don't pray about it. And yet when we hear somebody else has a medical issue or going through tough times in their life, we will hit our knees and we will pray all day long for them, won't we? 
And so our prayers can even, they, can, they, they don't have a whole lot to do with God, and yet they're for other people, or in their selfless, and be, we're a good person. Fasting is the only one of those three options where it has nothing to do with anyone else other than you or God. And so when you do it, you're either doing it for God, or you're doing it for what it does for you. You see what I'm saying here? Fasting is the only discipline that you can do, and, and if you're not doing it for God, you're a selfish person. Just by default. And it's about our pride. It's about the pride that we have. Is it something that we do and we get pride out of being able to do it and then we go and we have to tell others and let others know that we're doing it, right? And that, the scary thing about that is Augustine, writing back all the way in the 400s, he said, pride is the beginning of sin. And what is pride but the craving for undue exaltation? And this is undue exaltation. When the soul abandons him to whom it ought to cleave, as its end and becomes a kind of end to itself. Let me translate that. This is undue exaltation. When the thing that we should be clinging to, that is God, and that's what fasting is, right? Get everything else out of my life and just cling on to God and say, God is it. God is all I need. God is life. And so we turn around and we do that to ourselves and we say, I am what I need. My pride, my exaltation, I have to have that. Augustine goes on and he talks about our love for God. We're, we're meant to love God and our hearts are actually made to be turned outwards, to be turned outwards towards people and to be turned outwards towards God. And in sin, what sin does through pride is it turns the heart in on itself. So everything that is meant to go out and flow out just comes back around like a boomerang to us. So the spiritual discipline of, of fasting it's meant to be about, hey, I'm looking to God. I'm clinging to God. We are able then to turn it back in on us, and we make it all about how good we are. Jesus paints this picture for us there in uh, Matthew chapter 6 uh, of fasting and how it is. It's this thing meant to be between us and God, and it's, it's unseen. And the, God, the Father who sees the unseen, he will reward you, right? But Jesus is talking about how we will unnecessarily pull people in to things that just don't affect them at all, including them in a relationship, including them in a practice that really is supposed to be all about just you and God. It, it's kind of like when we have um, those stories of like pride that we take pride in that like show something about us and we find ways to like work those stories in the conversations that have absolutely nothing to do about that story. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I, I mean, I know you do because, like, as I say, you're probably like, yeah, I've got, like, two or three of those, right? And what, what's more, though, is, like, we know, like, when other people are working those things into the conversation just because they want to. And you're like, I have no clue what that had to do with anything, right? You guys get that? Uh, can I share mine with you? Can I share what my story is? Uh, to just give you, like, a real-life example of, like, what not to do and what, what's, like, totally wrong with, like, prideful people and stuff. And, um, yeah, so, and I'm, I'm preaching, so, yeah, I can do it. So, um, so yeah, so I... Uh, one of like my proudest moments ever is uh, I wrote a 22-page paper in two days. And I know that doesn't sound like a lot. Just hang with me here. So it, it was at the end of a semester, and it was one of those classes where like the paper is like the whole grade, right? And uh, I, I had to write a 20-page paper, and it got to Sunday. It was, it was due on a Friday, and I got to Sunday of that week, and I thought, man, I should really like get started on this. And um, I thought, nah, I got a few days because um, I am I'm a really good procrastinator, not to be prideful or anything, but I'm awesome at it. So, um, so, so yeah, so I was like, no, I'll, I'll put it off for a few days. So it was Wednesday. 
I'm like, okay, I should probably buckle down now. So I, 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 go, I go into uh, the library because I hadn't even found a book yet on the subject. And it's one of those things where you have to like tell the professor what you're going to write on. So like I, there's no like, oh, I can change it at the last second. So I'm walking into the library and you ever have that feeling of like, maybe I waited too late, but it's too late to even have that feeling, you know, sort of thing. I'm walking into the library and I'm like, what if I can't find any books on this thing, you know, and stuff. And so I, I walk in, luckily I found books. So I take them home Wednesday night. And uh, I flip through uh, a few books uh, pretty quickly, find a few things that I can use and I need and everything. And so 6 a.m. on Thursday morning, I start writing. And uh, at 1 a.m. on Friday morning, I have a 22-page paper. Um, I was so tired and so burned out at that point, I didn't even proofread the thing. I was like, I don't want to look at this anymore. And so uh, the next morning, I just printed it off and I turned it in. Uh, I had absolutely no clue what grade I was going to get. And so for the next like week or so, I'm just freaking out because I'm like, I could have just failed this class because I just didn't work on this early enough and stuff. So I get my paper back and I've got an, I get an A minus. And uh, yeah, you could not have convinced me I was not the smartest man in the world at that point. And so um, just this thing of like, uh, like my greatest achievement in all uh, of education ever. And like I said in the first service, like Bill Vermillion, if you know Bill and he's a teacher and stuff, Bill's like squirming like, that's not the way you do it. That's, like, that's, not, that's, not, that's not what it's about and stuff. And so I, I, I yeah, so the funny thing is, so I, I say all that to say this, I have found myself working that story in the conversations I've had with people. Nothing to do with the conversation. I'm like, hey, you know what? I wrote a 22-page paper one time in two days. <laughs> Helps that person none. <laughs> but I've done it. I've done it because I like how it makes me feel. I like what it says about me. Okay? Fasting asks us this question. What is more important, your glory or God's glory? What is more important to you? Giving glory to God or getting glory for yourself. Because when you do it, fasting, and there are so many things in our life that this is true for, it's either about God or it's about you. You've got to ask yourself. You've got to let the Holy Spirit wrestle with you. Am I more caught up on giving God the glory and Him receiving it, or am I more caught up on me getting it? Is it my pride getting in the way, or have I humbled myself to the degree where I am willing to let God? Now the question would be, Matt, wasn't it enough for you? Wasn't it just enough that you got the education and now you know about that stuff? No. I want people to know how smart I am. That's why I hang my degrees on the wall, and that's why I point them out when people walk in. I say, hey, look at this stuff and everything. You know, and you know what I did? I wrote a 22-page paper in two days, you know, and stuff. No. The same question we should be always asking ourselves, though. Why do you fast? Isn't it enough for you that you drew closer to God? If the answer is no, and we really need to let him do a work on us. One question, a, a litmus test, I guess you could say, because as we walk through these things, you say, okay, well, how do I really know? Okay, here, I want you to have just one question in the back of your pocket. Ask yourself before you say anything, before you do anything. That would be best. But even if you forget to, after, after you say anything, after you do anything, just ask yourself this question. What am I building? What am I building? You and I are made in God's image, which means we are made to create, we are made to build. And we don't have a choice in that. That's what we're going to do. We're always building something. We, we, we don't get to refrain from that. We're always leaving something behind. And so the question isn't, will we? The question is, what are we building? And so the question is, are you building up God and other people, or are you building yourself up? With what I just said, what was that for? Were they able to take anything away from that? Was I able to give God the glory or was I able to help them out? 
Or is that simply so people would know how good I am? Christ never says, and nowhere in Scripture does it say, don't ever talk about your fasting. There may be people that are trying to incorporate that in their lives. And so you need to help them. You need to help build them up and and tell them what it's about and what you do and and that sort of thing. But that's building them up. It's edifying them. And it's giving God the glory. Or are you just walking into a meeting and you're saying, man, I am beat today. I didn't have lunch. I'm fasting today. What good does that do anybody, right? It doesn't help them out. Fasting and so many other things in our life, it only leaves two options. It's either about God or it's about us. And we have to be realistic with what we are building up, what we're seeking to build up, what we want to build up. Is it ourselves or is it God and other people? Okay? So just to recap really quickly, there are really three things we talked about here. Three things that fasting gets at the heart of. One, where's our hope? And how big is our hope? Is it bigger than the circumstances of our lives? What is the state of your hope in Jesus Christ? Do you carry yourselves as though your eternal security, your eternal hope, your eternal life is in Jesus in nothing else? We also talked about how fasting gets to the heart of if it's more important for us to be more like Christ or just be better than other people. And really we could boil it down in one word and call it holiness. Is it more important for us to live a life like Christ and it doesn't matter if anybody ever notices or do we just have to let people know we're better than them? And the final thing is, is it more important for us to receive the glory or give God the glory? Ultimately, we could boil that down into love. Do we want to give God all of our love and receive all of his love or do we feel the need to go somewhere else and seek more love? Okay. Ultimately, what fasting is really getting at and what these other three disciplines get to and what I get to sum up this morning and steal all of Ed's thunder is this. Why isn't Jesus enough? Spiritual disciplines and what Christ is talking about is exactly this question. If we find ourselves in doing these things, if we find ourselves uh, participating in what God has provided to us to draw closer to him, to know his will, to, to give of ourselves freely and receive fully from him, and yet we find ourselves having to go outside of that, letting other people know, practicing it in front of them so that they know these things. If we find ourselves say, having issues with one of those three things of hope, holiness, or love, and we're searching for it in other places, the question we have to wrestle with and we have to ask ourselves and let the Holy Spirit just check us on is, why isn't Jesus enough? Why don't you think he's enough? What do you think that other people have to give you that he can't give you? What do you think you have to gain outside of the God of the universe who has given everything up for you and wants to give you everything he can? What else do you need? What else are you searching for? Why isn't Jesus enough? It's such a fitting question for us to ask as we come together this morning to take communion. Uh, Remembering everything that has been given to us, everything that is still poured out to us. And the question we should be asking ourselves if we're wrestling with these things, if the Holy Spirit is checking us on one of those three areas, is just why? Leveling with ourselves, what more do I need? What more can I possibly, potentially hope to gain outside of the life of Jesus Christ? And I can tell you this right now, there's nothing. 
There's nothing that will last, nothing that will make you happy, no, nothing that will give you more or something else other than what he can. <coughs> so as we come together and we take of his table, the one that he has prepared, the one that he sets, the one that he gives freely of himself, let's ask the question together this morning. Why isn't that just enough? Why do we feel like we need more? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, just pray that this would be a time that we would open ourselves up uh, to uh, your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would, um, you would use your word, uh, this, this passage about fasting, to ask us some of those hard questions about what really is most important to us. Lord, we pray that in your own sweet way, that, that if there is an area that we are, uh, we're trying to supplement, we're trying to add to you, thinking that somehow you're just not quite enough of what all we need. Lord, would you, would you show us what it is that, that we're wanting and, and how it's just misplaced? Lord, would you correct us? Would you bring us back and show us that um, there really is nothing more that we could hope to gain outside of your love? And Lord, would you, would you bring an end to us uh, hurting ourselves and hurting others and seeking to um, feed something that is never going to be completely fed apart from your love? Lord, as we feast at your table this morning, would we do so knowing that it is all we need and we will strip everything away out of our lives if necessary. Even the things that we think we absolutely have to have to survive. Because the only thing we truly, truly need is Jesus Christ. You are enough. Lord, please come and meet us now. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I'll just be real with you. It's a dangerous proposition to live your life like Christ is enough. To not hedge your bets in other places and then store up things in other spots. And I think you'll talk about that next week. But to just give it all and say, Christ is it. Christ is all of it. And that's where it is. But I guarantee you this. If you give him the chance, he will always prove to you he is all you need. Just give him that chance. Let go of everything else. Give it all up. And let that be enough that you have done that. And Christ will never steer you wrong. He will never prove you wrong. He will always come through in the end. Go in peace this week to love and serve the Lord, knowing that he is enough. Go in peace. Have a great week, everybody. It's been awesome to get to worship with you guys. Uh, it's been my privilege. Have a great week.